Um, but yeah, I'm speaking today, um, it's meant to be Marxism 101, what would socialism look like? But I think you know, the idea of a complete um, transformation of our society is a really massive topic. Um, but hopefully I can kind of go through a bit of what Solidarity's perspective is today and give you a bit of, um, outline a bit of our perspective on that. Um, so what would socialism look like? I think, you know, first of all, um, it's, it's obvious to many people that, you know, the system that we live in of capitalism that we might counterpose to socialism is not, is not working um, and that this, the system cannot continue in its current form. Um, so one survey that it really hit me in 2017 um, found that 54% of young people in Ireland would take part in a large-scale uprising against the generation in power if it happened in the next days or months. So people recognise that capitalism is not working. Um, I think, you know, in particular, we're seeing the beginnings of the effects of the runaway climate change, um, which is only the beginning of the disasters ahead if we remain in our system that's addicted to fossil fuels. Um, with extreme weather patterns worsening um, in the recent floods, 21 people have died, 3, 000, over 3,600 people have lost their homes. Um, a pandemic is raging on where millions of mostly working class people without proper access to healthcare have lost their lives. Um, whilst upstairs they're talking about the war in Ukraine, which highlights the potential for a new global war um, in our lifetime. I think in this system there's a clear divide between the ruling class, the 1% who own the factories, the offices, the means of making profit, um, and the rest of us, the working class who have to work day in, day out, whether we want to or not, for our wages and to survive. Um, and this determines whether you enter into homelessness due to flooding, whether you can escape from wars, whether you face daily financial insecurity. And after decades of the mining boom in Australia, of which has extracted iron and minerals that pollute our planet, inequality is worsening between the working class and the ruling class. With the rising cost of living and inflation, um, workers on average wages lost $800 last year, and new data shows that 40% of renters in most Sydney and Melbourne electorates are, are suffering financial stress. So if we know that the system of capitalism is not working, then what, what can be the socialist alternative? I think it's important to start with what are the common left conceptions of socialism and they're really based on the premise that on, to some extent you can bring about equality or social transformation over the existing structures of our society, of capitalist um, parliament and government by running it, taking over and running it yourself. So you know, we can think of figures who proclaim, um, proclaim this as a socialist like Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez in the US um, and to some extent you know, members of the Greens and Adam Bandt and what they espouse here. I think for solidarity in our politics, there's key reasons why these strategies for socialism fail time and time again. But the state under capitalism, um, such as the government, is not separated from exploitation in the capitalist system, but exists because of it. It developed you know, during colonialism to stand above it and to organise it. Um, and Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels wrote in the Communist Manifesto, the executive of the modern state is but a committee for managing the common affairs of the whole bourgeoisie. And the whole modern um, capitalist state arose to organise the brutal expansion of Western capitalism from in the beginnings of industrial capitalism in, in, Western, um, in the Western world to ensure um, it could continue through um, expanding through colonisation in India, Africa and Asia and to make sure that this could be organised. And when left-wing governments have actually tried to challenge profit accumulation, um, the ruling class who hold the, the power in the factories, who, hold, who own machineries, offices, um, who have that economic power in our society fight back. 
Um, in a small way, I think this was really clear um, when um, Kevin Rudd and Labor tried to tax um, during the, the middle of the, um, the mining boom, actually tried to tax the big companies and, and have a mega profits in a mining tax. And the, and the industry launched a massive campaign to try and dis discredit um, Rudd. Um, and I think the most hard example of, of this was in Chile in 1973, when you had a really progressive um, um, President Allende, um, who was actually killed when he tried to seriously nationalise um, and redistribute wealth on the back of you know, um, mass radical movements in Chile. And I think you know, the second reason um, why we can't reform our way to socialism within the existing government structures is that the government is just one piece of a capitalist state which is designed from top to bottom to preserve the power of capitalists and capitalist society. Um, and Russian revolutionary Vladimir Lenin explained, the state is an organ of class rule, an, an organ for the oppression of one class by another. Um, and we live in a society where a tiny minority own most of the wealth and continuously profit from the exploitation of the majority. Oxfam's recent report estimates that the 26 richest people in the world um, own the same wealth as, and have the same net worth as the uh, 3.8 billion people who compromise the bottom half of the world's wealth distribution. So they have to create the army and police to protect this wealth and power because who would rationally accept this vast inequality? We see them wield out their riot squads out for strikes and protests and we challenge their inequality. And the state is made up of these armed bodies, the police, the military, with a whole apparatus of discipline and rule to defend the inequality with you know, the whole structures of courts, prisons and government departments. So what, what's our revolutionary socialist alternative to you know, simply trying to reform parliament and government um, and try and take over the existing capitalist state? Um, and our, our tradition of revolutionary socialism originates from Karl Marx's socialist ideas and practice of democratic um, power of workers from below organising society themselves. And Marx first understood this through um, actually looking at the contradictions of capitalism itself at the time of the Industrial Revolution, bringing workers into concentrated workplaces with a common interest in acting together, um, initially in the beginning of capitalism during the Industrial Revolution. And in previous sessions today, we've heard about teachers, nurses and university workers on the offensive, fighting for rights of work and against wage caps. Um, and work, when workers actually go on strike, there is potential for workers to not only realise the power to stop the cogs turning in the capitalist system, but to actually run society themselves. And I think this is where you really see the seeds for the potential of a new um, socialist society. So just in the last few years, although you know, it really wasn't covered in Western media, in Sudan, um, dictator Omar al-Bashir was removed by the army following months of mass protests and strikes. In Algeria, a rolling wave of strikes and protests forced out um, President Abdel Aziz Bouteflika. And this has happened, um, this dynamic has happened on a massive, um, immense scale in full-blown revolutions by workers. So one example I wanted to use was the Iranian revolution um, in 1977, um, and a fall in um, oil revenues led to mass strikes in the oil industry there by 30,000 workers, um, spreading into a general strike um, across the whole of society. Rail workers refused to let the police or army onto trains. Dockers would only unload food and medical supplies or paper for those campaigning against the regime. Units of the army began to rebel, and this movement became an insurrectionary one factory managers often simply fled from workplaces. And where that happened, actually, the um, elected strike committees, surers, took over, began to take over the running of the factories. 
This caused the Shah to lose support within the state and flee in 1979. And peasant villagers also established their own shuras and began seizing the land from landlords. Um, an Iranian-American scholar, Asif Bayat, explains, almost all workers in a unit would attend meetings in which heated debates would take place on issues concerning the running of the workplace. Shuras had a dramatic effect on the way workers conceptualized society, authority, and their social position in society at large. The workers were involved in a learning process. During the last 30 years, democratic institutions had been almost totally non-existent. The councils established a nascent democratic tradition and culture. And at the Tabriz and Paz oil company refineries, Shuras took almost total control administration and production. In Paz, Iran's only privately owned refinery, the Shura took over the refinery itself, selling its products to pay wages and salaries. It established a committee for the provisional administration of the refinery, consisting of Shura um, members and technicians. And the National Oil Company of Iran, Karaj Refinery, was publicly declared. And similar struggles of workers taking over their workplaces erupted across the industry. And this process of workers going from striking into actually running the workplaces and sometimes the needs, running the needs of society more broadly has happened in numerous revolutions um, over the last century, which Solidarity takes inspiration from. So in Germany in 1918, Italy 1919, the Chinese Revolution in 27, Spain and France in 1936, uh, Chile in 1973. But of course these revolutions did not succeed. Um, and the counter-revolutions that destroyed these revolutions show why protests and strikes and sometimes revolutions that topple whole governments and start organising society themselves are not enough. And the experience of every revolution from the Paris Commune in 1871 to now shows us that the ruling class is prepared to use their most you know, ruthless violence to retain the, the vast inequality they have in society and re regain power that it, it loses in revolutions. So we need a conscious strategy of how we actually bring about socialism through revolutions and revolutionary struggle, where we don't just end up replacing you know, one capitalist leader with another. We need to be able to organise in some way to counter the power of the ruling class and the forces of the state, um, their organ of class rule, with our own inverse counteracting class rule. And, and you know, Marx developed this idea of a democratic worker state from below using the democracy of workers' revolutions, of a real democracy from below, to fight to continue into a future communist society. And this is what Marx's famous slogan, dictatorship of the proletariat, actually means, reversing the inequality and, and being able to defend it. Um, and I think a really important um, lesson of, in history for us is the short-lived worker state um, led by the Bolshevik Party in Russia in 1917, where the revolutions went furthest um, in that short period than any revolution since then. Um, they established a new state um, based on the Soviets, uh, mass revolution councils of workers, peasants and soldiers, similar to um, the Shuras that are outlined in Iran. And the Bolshevik Party led a worker state that attempted to begin the process of transition to a socialist society. And it was, this kind of worker state was much more democratic than anything we've ever experienced under capitalism. Ordinary people began to have direct control over decisions that affect their lives. Um, it was also an instrument of class rule, but of working class rule. They created a red army to fight invasion by foreign armies and from all within the old ruling class. The Bolsheviks set up Zenitdel, a department of the party based on organising women and making sure issues of women's liberation were not sidelined. 
They travelled to the furthest ends of the Soviet Empire to try and educate people on equality. They legalised abortion, decriminalised homophobia, legislated the rights of minorities. And no one could earn some salary, inflated salary that reflected not their labour but their ability to exploit. No one could use their income to buy the means of production and therefore you know, further exploit others. And we only saw the beginnings of this process before it was crushed in Russia. Because if a revolution takes place rapidly, building a new society does not. And this was a tension throughout um, the process of the worker state in Russia. The, the capacity moved from a first stage of revolution and, and the initial worker state to the highest stage of communism was a much slower process. And the worker state was under constant invasion by foreign armies um, who you know, obviously wanted to stop um, a, you know, a, a democratic worker state and the old ruling class within Russia that wanted their power back. Um, most importantly, desperately needed revolutions in Europe to succeed and support their worker state so they weren't isolated. Um, and the, the process of revolution and worker state in Russia never came to fruition and Stalin's counter-revolution um, was victorious. Um, this period of conflict in a worker state is not meant to be a permanent setup. Um, if the revolution could have spread internationally, taken full control of capitalist private property, the basis for two opposing classes disappears and so does the need for a state. Um, and you know, people may have heard that the, you know, Marx talked about the worker state, not the capitalist state, eventually withers away. But without the dictatorship of the proletariat, without this workers' control and democracy, socialism can never exist. Um, and this is not a blueprint, but I think a revolutionary process and part of a much bigger you know, um, period of discovering and fighting for human, la human liberation through revolution and a worker state. And Lenin argued that revolutions are festivals of the oppressed and exploited. So during the Russian Revolution, there was a flourishing of art, literature and culture and a largely illiterate population. Um, John Reed, who was a US socialist journalist who reported on the Re Russian Revolution, um, wrote a really great book called Ten Days That Shook the World when he went to cover the Russian Revolution and describes how all Russia, um, quote from him, all Russia was learning to read politics, economics, history, because people wanted to know. We came down, so this is in the middle of the Civil War, to the 12th, um, where people are, the workers' army is um, trying to defend the revolution. We came down to the front of the 12th Army, back of Riga, where gaunt and bootless men sickened in the mud of desperate trenches, he wrote. When they saw us, they started up with their pinched faces and their flesh showing blue through their torn clothing, demanding eagerly, did you bring anything to read? And Russian revolutionary Leon Trotsky also argued in the history of the Russian Revolution that the history of revolution is for us, first of all, a history of the forcible entrance of the masses into the realm of rulership over their own destiny. And this desire for real equality, liberation and creativity, I think, is the ultimate aim of a social society free from alienation that is the product of our lives under capitalism. So socialism would remove the basis of alienation to transition to a society where people have real control over what they produce as well economically. From the beginning of the process in the workers' control in workplaces and factories to a transformation of production for need and the ability to deliver um, for the needs of everyone in society. And under a worker state, work could be transformed from this negative alienating daily experience into a collective one as we take away, firstly, immediately, the need to give profit to bosses. This can begin with a dramatic reduction of the working week and automation, automation prioritised to limit the most unpleasant and menial jobs. Um, the division of labour could be progressively overcome through the increasing time and therefore possibility for workers 
to be involved actually in different parts of the labour process rather than one, one job. And everyone could be a producer and a planner in a co collective, creative social process of work. Um, and this could be a means to achieve the society Marx envisioned from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Of course, he's speaking in the gendered language of his time. And I think socialism would be not only about workers' liberation, but liberation from all the oppressive forces that divide us, all of us in the working class. Immediately, the priority in a worker state with women leading the revolution is also to begin removing the basis of women's oppression. To alleviate the burdens expected of women in the nuclear family, we would collectivise unpaid gendered labour, communal laundries, kitchens, free childcare, free creches at workplaces. We immediately legalise abortion, make contraception free. Basic rights women are still deprived of today. We would prioritise LGBTQI plus rights through actual investment in trans health and begin to dismantle this really gender discrimination that exists under capitalism. And the worker state would also consciously fight racism, unite workers to take up every instance of racism, implement in Australia real land rights, land rights for Aboriginal people, and an end to support for our imperialist wars which stoke um, racist scapegoating. And a, an important part of winning socialism would also be an international revolution, as no revolution can survive with neighbouring capitalist ruling classes. We want to unite workers across the region in our, in our you know, um, common interests. So in short, international revolutionary socialism would bring out about a phenomenal change in human history. And the possibility of this immense change, I think, comes up time and again in um, revolutions. But to, to win, I think we need to be organised into a party to create that inverse power to the ruling class. So they can't just crush revolutions, they can't just crush our strikes, um, but we are stronger together actually internationally as a working class. And, and we need to act democratically to lead workers into acting for themselves, but towards a successful revolutionary strategy. And a workers' party learns the lessons from winning the smallest examples, um, arguments in, this, um, in our union to, create a, to creating a program of where we actually eventually want to go to make sure we get rid of this you know, brutal, exploitive system once and, once and for all and you know, create um, and have a plan to create a new social society that look based on history and past revolutions. But to learn to organise this, I think, you know, we need to grow our organisation, we need to grow socialist politics, because that's how we'll have the best chance of winning. Um, and I think the proof is in the pudding in history, you know, in the revolutionary wave from 1917, which saw, which failure saw the rise of fascism, Russia was the only country, the mass revolutionary party, and it went the furthest of any of the revolutions. So that's why I encourage you to join Solidarity and be a part of our fight against the capitalist system so we can win a future social society. Mm -hmm.